This is the Lee Knox Show, America's most controversial podcast, coming to you live from UNT, that's KNTU Radio, in Denton, Texas. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. We're here in the studio with Ethan Leach, longtime friend here from last semester, Brock Virgin, our sports expert, rocking a North Texas Mean Green shirt, and our co-host, Allison Renfro, feminist to the bone. Yes. Guys, we got a lot to talk about tonight, but unfortunately, we got to lead with a big deal at Michigan State University. Unfortunate thing that I got to talk about that these mass killings, mass shootings almost every week in America. Mm. Now, look, I'm a big Second Amendment supporter. I don't want to confiscate anybody's guns. That's your view. That's fine. But for me, I want people to keep and bear arms, but responsibly. There's got to be some kind of change in America. Guys, three students, three undergrad students at Michigan State University were killed yesterday by some deranged lunatic who came on campus and had really no connection yeah. with with the students. Mm. Just, mad, just started shooting indiscriminately and shot, I think, eight people altogether, seven or eight people, and killed them. Well, the police cornered him and eventually shot and killed himself. Yeah. yeah. We're living in some bad times. Yeah. Um, Ethan, what do you got to say? What do, how, how do we stop these mass shootings in the country without confiscating guns? I, I want to point out before anything else that um, while it is um, commonly understood, at least at this point, that the gunman had no connection to uh, Michigan State, um, he was arrested in New Jersey previously um, on weapon-related charges, and he was carrying notes threatening multiple schools. Um, so, normally in situations like these, where the gunman, the active shooter, had no connection to the places they were um, targeting, you know, I would say, I also support the Second Amendment heavily. Everyone should have a right to bear arms, especially to stand your ground, and for other reasons that are um, kind of ephemerally understood or actually set in legislation. Um, I think that is very important. But also, I would say that um, gun safety education would be um, like the primary way to prevent these kinds of things from happening and um, stricter uh, permissions for gun sales. Um, But actually, in this situation, I would say he's been arrested for weapon-related charges previously while carrying notes threatening schools in another place so this is it's in this specific situation it's less important to focus on gun education and gun safety laws than it is to focus on um reform like reform systems in the law um and what i mean by that is that you know people are arrested and they may go to jail they may go to prison right but if they are released um, and there has been no reform in their time spent incarcerated at all, then they will most likely leave and pick up with the same ideology, if not pick up doing the same thing. Yeah. Um, so I would say that uh, implementing more uh, avenues for reform within the incarceration system, which has its own problems, but that's separate not entirely from this issue, um, but it is largely separate from what we need to focus on 
um, which is implementing avenues for reform in the incarceration system. Brock, you got any opinion about this? Um, just overall in this like event, this tragic event that happened last night, it's just really awful how this kind of stuff just continues to happen over and over again. And we as a country are just used to that kind of stuff going on because this isn't like the only, this isn't the first time something like this has happened to like a school or a college, even within like the past years. That's just terrible to look at, terrible to hear about. Allison? Yeah. I agree with Ethan because I think that education's the most I personally think education's the most important thing right now because guns are out there. I mean, the wrong people have guns like it's just been they've been so easy to get that so many people have them now that it's going to be too hard to like take them away from the people that shouldn't have them. So I think what we need to focus on is educating people on how to use them and just like coming up I don't know with different programs and learning opportunities so that people understand the impact that guns can have on people and on communities and I know that in some situations guns are necessary for safety like I even read this book called hood feminism and the writer talks about how in the hood guns aren't a form of violence it's literally a form of protection because they have to protect themselves from you know police authority outsiders things like that so we need to be educating ourselves and others over the impacts this has on communities and also as i was saying last week i genuinely i know for a fact that media and social media has been perpetuating violence at like extreme levels because we're so desensitized to it. I mean, we see a mass shooting almost every single day. And so yeah. when things like this happen, like it, it is absolutely devastating. And I know probably all of us, like our hearts ache for the victims and their families, but it almost doesn't seem real because we see it so often and we don't just see like the real life violence that's happening. We see it manipulated in movies and TV shows. So we're again, like I said last week, we're like merging reality and false reality. And so it's becoming this really gray area and it's really like, I feel like the lines are very blurry. And so, yeah, basically I just think that we need to right now help, you know, like provide resources to the community and the family members and Michigan State. Like we need to provide them resources and uplift them. And we need to focus on, you know, helping out that community. But then we also need to focus on educating people, especially children, because it most things start at childhood. So if we can start educating our children that guns kill and that they're used for violence then maybe we can actually see some tangible tangible change as much as i'd love to focus the rest of the show on gun control or not gun control uh, gun rights and just violence gun violence in america that's for another day our hearts go out to the victims and her families, mm. and even the individual who killed himself and killed all these people, his, yeah. his family, 
like just just a horrible tragedy. And uh, we'll talk. Hopefully, we'll have a uh, a whole uh, episode devoted just to gun violence in America. But we got to move on. Um, Brock, in the world of sports, something big happened a couple days ago um, on Sunday. Give us the lowdown. Yep, we got the Super Bowl. Kansas City wins their second title in four years over the Eagles on Sunday in one of the best games in recent memory. It had the third best ratings in the history of Super Bowls. There's been 57 Super Bowls, and it was the third best ratings. It had everything you could possibly wish in a, a game. Exactly. It was very, very exciting. You had changing of scores, going back and forth, back and forth. They tied Kansas City. I mean, uh, Eagles tied it up, and then Kansas City went ahead. You had some pretty bad, I mean, uh, you had a really bad holding call towards the end there. And then as a field goal uh, ensued because of that, right? Right. Um, Jalen Hurts, the superstar quarterback for uh, Philadelphia, had just an insanely good game, right? Right. He threw for 300 yards, rushed for 70, set a record for the most rushing touchdowns in the history of the uh, of the Super Bowl for a quarterback, had three touchdown rushing touchdowns. Incredible game. Anything else occurred this week? In the, uh, oh, let me ask you guys a question. So something that's come up is Russian players playing in the Olympics. Um, some people, are, obviously Ukraine has something to say about that. That people, they, there are several athletes that have come out. Klitschko, he used to be a boxer from Ukraine. He's actually in the Ukraine army now. And he's uh, basically saying there should be no Russian players they, they forfeited the right after declaring war upon Ukraine. People are dying in Ukraine. What, what do you guys think? Brock, you kind of want to lead off on this? What What do you think? Do you think um, there should be Russian players and uh, Russian athletes in the coming Olympics? So I haven't read much about this. Like, I know, like, the Olympics are coming up, though. Like, the Winter Olympics we're talking about, right? Or the, yeah. yeah, it right should be now, winter. Pretty sure. Yeah. Honestly, I don't really have much of an opinion on it because I haven't read much of it yet. But, like, I would say it wouldn't really make sense to just, like, tell someone, no, you can't play. But this, like, stuff is out of their control. So I don't really think somebody should be restricted just because of what's going on in their home country. And, like, sports can be kind of separate from politics or um, conflicts. Like... I think especially like sports bring people together and they help people, you know, um, like express themselves. And so, yeah, I don't, I also don't know much about it, so I don't want to say too much, but I just think that sports can definitely be separate from conflict. I actually have something to say about this. You're completely right in that sports can be completely separate from conflict and politics and stuff like that. Um, But the question is whether it should be um, because it is not. Should it be separate? That's kind of... Over time, um, the Olympics has been used as a tool for international change. Um, You know, different countries participating in a single um, competitive event. You know, these people are coming not necessarily 
from their countries uh, expounding their country's perspectives, but they are representing their country's perspectives. Now, imagine you have two groups, um, hypothetically, you know, you have one group that um, has players of color and white players, right? And then you have another um, country, another group that has only white players, and that, that is because they believe they are superior for some reason relating to race or ethnicity, right? Um, the group with colored players winning over the team of purely white players, um, that in itself is separate from these conflicts, you know, based on the skills of the individuals outside of race or ethnicity and stuff like that. Um, you know, group one was just better than group two and they won, right? But these two groups are coming forward. They're put forward by these nations. One of them, you know, saying that we are inclusive to people of all colors, of all ethnicities. And then you have one country coming forward and saying that we are not and we are better for it. Um, you know, group one winning over group two says a lot. Yeah. You know, that um, diversity of race or ethnicity within a team could improve the overall skill level. Um, of course, you know, that is not considering that maybe group one, um, the players just train more than the players in group two. But, you know, that idea that that could be possible, you know, is very, very powerful. And, you know, to say that sports in this situation should be, you know, completely separate from these conflicts on racial and ethnic ideologies, you know, that's, it would be, it, it would feel wrong for me to say that it should be separate. Now, you know, considering the conflict between Russia and Ukraine, you know, we see that over time, up to this point, um, the war between Russia and Ukraine has come to a point of criticality. It, it is come to the point where countries and the United Nations and other military alliances, they have to choose sides, right? And now these groups are seeking to participate in a somewhat open international sports competition. And, you know, them being, them being able to, part to participate in the first place gives them, a, you know, a currency that, you know, puts them at an edge over um, international relations, um, you know, rather than just keeping, you know, the Russia-Ukraine conflict separate from sports. Um, so here, in, in between Russia and Ukraine, it's being used as a tool um, to, you know, make a statement about um, alliances, about uh, national ideologies. And for any American to say that when America has already taken the side of Ukraine to say that, you know, the Olympics should be completely separate from the war between Russia and Ukraine, while at the same time they have any idea or any opinion on the war between Russia and Ukraine is kind of hypocritical. Um, and what I want to put forward is that Russia and Ukraine, though they are in conflict with each other, like at literal war, you know, saying that one group or the other should not participate in this somewhat open international sports competition, you know, that, that is actually feeding more into the Russia-Ukraine conflict. Um, 
Now, how you feel personally on whether Russia or Ukraine, because, you know, people who take Russia's side, they don't want Ukrainian uh, competitors to uh, compete. Um, you know, that is entirely up to you. Um, outside of you're an American, and I just said it would be kind of hypocritical, you know, that's completely up to you. But what it boils down to is that this is a political statement, as well as being a sports competition. Well, we'll move on from that to J.K. Rowling. Now, I'm not a big Harry Potter person. I know what Harry Potter is. Um, really wasn't into it very much. My background, you know, coming from a Christian background, there was kind of a boycott almost in you know, my era against that. You know, but I know who Harry Potter is, and I know J.K. Rowling wrote this phenomenally successful series of seven books on the Harry Potter um, character. And uh, in recent years, she's come out and s spoken out against transgender women in particular. Mm -hmm. Some people say that she is what they call a TERF, trans exclusionary, exclusionary radical feminist. Yeah. Like she is, uh, made some pretty strong statements against trans women. And um, some people believe, because of this, that all the Harry Potter books should be banned. Now, whether or not you support J.K. Rowling's views on transgenderism um, is another story. Me, personally, I'm very skeptical about censorship. I don't, I don't approve of censorship. I probably won't read her books. That her views probably aren't going to encourage me to read her books anymore. But no, you don't have to read her books. Is is launching right into exactly. censorship? Is that really the, what we want to do here? Is that just because we? There are a lot of views out there. Now look, Dave Chappelle, in my opinion, goes too far. Dave Chappelle, as you know, he's pretty anti-transgender speaker, comedian. Uh, I, I like Dave Chappelle in a lot of things, but he goes too far. Um, I, but I'm not calling for his censorship. I'm not even calling for Will Smith, who slapped the whoop. Or like of, uh, Andrew Tate. I'm not even calling for censorship of Andrew Tate. Yeah. I don't. There's a lot of stuff. Andrew Tate. I think Andrew Tate is a shock jock. He's doing a lot of that for just a shock. He and he's made millions yeah. from that. But, um, Ethan, you've got something to say about this. We're going to uh, just do this real quick because we got to get into our main thing here. But, Ethan, what do you, what's your take on J.K. Rowling, and should we censor censor her books or what? What do you think? The short answer is no. Why would you do that? Why? What? That is completely unreasonable. Look, the, the movement for um, J.K. Rowling and her books to be censored has actually existed for a really long time, and it's more than transphobia it's enti entirely an intersectional issue you know what we're focusing on right now as an internet culture is her transphobia but you know as mr lee said um he comes from you know a christian upbringing and a lot of christian people don't like um jk rowling's works because they involve witchcraft um witchcraft wicca um a cult. A cult. 
occult practices. And, you know, when they first came out, the books first came out, Christians, a lot of Christians called for the books to be banned. No, because not everyone shares the same views on, you know, Christianity and the occult. You know, it's their varying levels. So for that reason, you know, if Christians don't like it, that doesn't mean it shouldn't be banned. And the other issue, other than transphobia, that people don't seem to be focusing on is anti-Semitism. Um, anti-Semitism in J.K. Rowling's books. The goblins in J.K. Rowling's books are presented according to almost every stereotype imaginable about Jewish people. And from what I've seen right now, um, people don't care at all about it. Um, and it's still wrong, but they don't care about it. So you are... <laughs> in one case, you are kind of trying to silence two halves of an entire whole. You know, people who are Christian and people who are not. That does not work, right? And for the other one, you are ignoring an entirely like anti-semitism has literally killed millions of people and everyone knows about that the holocaust right everyone is ignoring that and they're focusing on transphobia how can you champion one cause while ignoring the other yeah that Nelson, in itself is wrong you got anything to say about that yeah, I mean, I just think in general, to be honest, cancel culture doesn't work. I mean, we've seen it everywhere. We've, I mean, there's so many people that the internet has attempted to cancel to ruin their career, whatever it is, whether it's valid or not, it just doesn't really work. And I think, too, that in this situation, you know, there's so many other people with big platforms, political leaders, celebrities who unfortunately promote the same things, you know, transphobia, anti-Semitism, like we, we see it everywhere. I mean, a prime example is Kanye West and Kanye's career is definitely not over. I mean, as much as we try to cancel these people or not support them, it's just not realistic because like Ethan was saying, not not everyone's going to be on the same page. There are always going to be J.K. Rowling fans, supporters, and there's always going to be people who don't like her now. There's always going to be Kanye West fans, and there's always going to be people who don't like Kanye now. And you can't really argue with those people because they're allowed to have their own opinion and they're allowed to believe what they believe. I mean, that's how life works. And even though we may not agree with what they're promoting if other people do then that's kind of just that and i just don't think cancel culture works whether it's validated or not and i'm not saying necessarily i like it or i don't like it i just don't think it works because i've really never seen it work ever i mean you know i'm on the internet i see how many people the internet attempts to cancel all the time and it just it just doesn't work Brock what do you think um I guess for like canceling people on Twitter or whatever it's the thing with that is that like 
Twitter does not make up like everybody in the world and what their yeah. opinions yeah. are. So that's why it really doesn't work because it only accounts for like a small percentage of what actual people think. Like, exactly. That's pretty much what I think about it. Well, so now we're going to get into a really big issue here. The issue of women in leadership in churches. This is a big deal, believe it or not, right now. Um, recently, in uh, California, a very famous church, Saddleback Church, that's, uh, if you're familiar with Rick Warren, he is the, the pastor, former pastor yeah. of the Saddleback Community Church, one of the largest Southern Baptist churches in America. He has uh, installed as his replacement a female preaching pastor mm -hmm. and her husband to be the co-pastors of that church. So the conservatives, now the whole Southern Baptist Con Convention is very conservative, but the people that are uber, ultra conservatives are calling for Saddleback Church to be removed from the Southern Baptist Convention as violating the Baptist faith and message. We also have an issue about women in ministry in churches like the Anglican Church of North America that um, does not believe that women should be ordained to be pastors. This is a big issue, even in today's day and age. And Allison, who's studied a lot about women's rights and different things, has got an opinion about this. Allison, what have you been thinking about on this issue? Yeah, I mean, just to me, I just, I feel like I always just want to ask the questions. And I mean, it's it's nothing against religion. I respect every religion. I respect everyone's opinion. I respect everyone's interpretation. Like we are, we all have a right to what we believe. But just to me, I just don't understand why we wouldn't want women in positions of authority or like pastors in churches because if it's just men then we have this like biased interpretation because I mean at the end of the day religion is just how we interpret it and everyone's going to have a different experience with religion based off of their own life experiences and so when we have just one biased group of people sharing their interpretation of something, then there's there's a lack of something on the other side. And I just want to touch on, this just relates to gender in general and how a society perceives gender because gender itself is a social construct. This was socially constructed as a way to create hierarchy, superiority, inferiority complexes. Um, but it's not necessarily a real tangible thing it's a very fluid spectrum and so especially like with the um, saddleback debate in the article it says that the the baptist faith and message bf and m the statement of faith adopted by the sbc in 2000 addresses gender roles in church leadership while both men and women are gifted for service in the church the office of pastors limited limited to men as qualified by scripture. And so when it says gender roles, it's just like we have to break that down because what exactly does that mean? And who has decided these gender roles? Who has dictated 
that men be in these positions of power and authority and that women be the servants or that women are in the background because that is how society works. Like who has determined that? And I think it's in order to understand this outside of religion, we need to understand what gender roles in context context even means. So I kind of have something I want to read off from Gendered Voices, Feminist Visions by Susan M. Shaw and Janet Lee. Um, they talk about gender as a process, stratification, and structure. So I'm just going to read off a little bit of what they have to say. So as part of a stratification system, gender ranks men above women of the same race and class. Women and men could be different but equal. And practice, the process of creating difference depends to a great extent on differential evaluation. The dominant categories are the hegemonic ideals, taken so for granted as the way things should be, that white is not ordinar ordinarily thought of as race, middle class as class, or men as a gender. The characteristics of these categories define the other as that which, which lacks the valuable qualities the dominance exist. In a gender-stratified society, what men do is usually valued more highly than what women do because men do it, even when their activities are very similar or the same. When gender is a major component of structured inequality, the devalued genders have less power, prestige, and economic rewards than the valued genders. In countries that discourage gender discrimination, many major roles are still gendered. Women still do most of the domestic labor and child rearing, even while doing full-time paid work. Women and men are segregated on the job and each does work considered appropriate. Women's work is usually paid less than men's work. Men dominate the positions of authority and leadership in government, the military, the law, cultural productions, religions, sport, and sports reflect men's interests. And so when we talk about gender, these are socially constructed as a way to create this idea of what a man should do and what a woman should do and how a man should act and how a woman should act, how they should dress. And so this isn't really, there's nobody to really place blame on because this is such a, something that we're taught and something that's so embedded into our society. It's, it's hard to understand unless you know it and you're able to be aware of it because before I learned about gender, I had no idea that I was conditioned to believe that this is what a woman looks like, this is what a woman does, this is what a man looks like, this is what a man does. And so I think in this situation, there's nobody to blame, but we have to understand that the only reason we think that men should be pastors and in authority and religion is because we were conditioned to believe that. It's not because women can't do it. It's not because women shouldn't be doing it. It's because we were taught that women can't do it, that women shouldn't do it because men are going to be better than women. That's how we were taught to think. And so, especially when it comes to religion, there's nothing wrong with the religion. There's nothing wrong with believing what you want to believe, but we live in a progressive society. And I think especially with Christianity, I mean, these ideals were, you know, 
BC before Christ. So we kind of have to allow it to progress with our society and how things worked back then and the roles in which women and men played, which, you know, again, socially constructed, but that's how it was. We have progressed way past that. And so I think it's time to acknowledge that we've progressed past that so we can keep progressing forward and understanding that the only reason people are against women as pastors or as heads of churches, especially, I guess, in the Baptist church, is because we were conditioned to believe that, not because it shouldn't happen or it can't happen or because women are incapable of being leaders. It's because we were taught that women can't be leaders. And we see that in our society. We see that in higher, you know, governments, presidents. I mean, we we have our first female vice president ever, like in 2022, you know, like it's just it's and it's again, there's nobody to blame. Like there, I'm you know, I'm not blaming anybody for this, but I think we need to start paying attention to why these things happen because there's a reason and it's again because we are conditioned to believe that women can't be in positions of power because men are dominant men know better a man's supposed to do this but like that's just not the reality and gender again is a spectrum and we play masculine and feminine roles in different you know, parts of our life with different relationships. It's a it's a fluid spectrum. And so I think along with this, it's just acknowledging that you can be religious and you can follow any type of like biblical scripture reading that you want. I mean, that's your choice. We have freedom of religion. Like that's totally valid, whatever you believe, but just understanding that some of the things that you're being taught you were conditioned to think. And so just being aware, like, okay, you know, I'm going to follow this. I believe this. But, you know, it, this says that women shouldn't be in any type of authority position in the church. Well, now I understand that I was taught to think that way. So how can I help support women in my church? Because if we all work together in general, we'll all be more successful and we'll all find so much like unity and understanding if we just come to to understand that if quote unquote women and men work together, you know, we can achieve so much more and everybody is deserving. Even any sexuality, any race, like we're all deserving of an opportunity to be, you know, in a, not in authority, but to like feel validated in what we have to say. And so I think, again, it's less about the religion and it's more about understanding that not everything you're taught or not everything you've grown up learning is necessarily true. So let me ask you this, Allison. So the traditional reading of Scripture in Judaism, conservative Judaism and, and Christianity, 
is that God created mm-hmm. Adam and Eve yeah. out of his own image. He created a male and female as a direct quote from Genesis. Mm-hmm. And that God endowed men with certain characteristics, mm-hmm. intrinsic differences than women. And I think the position is not, it's called the complement, complementarianism. It's not that there's a superiority. I'm just keep trying to be fair to the people that, in a Southern Baptist Convention, that are that believe that women shouldn't be uh, pastors or leaders over men. It's not that there probably have been people that are probably some. I mean, there've been racism in a Southern Baptist Convention. I mean, it, the whole denomination was started over slavery, a, a division over slavery. Actually, it was founded because they believed in slavery. Right. What's up? So I actually have something to say about this. Um, you know, even if it's not about superiority or inferiority, um, the idea of socially constructed um, hierarchy still applies nonetheless um, because scripture, when it comes down to it, um, is uh, ink on a page. It is ink on a page. Now, how someone interprets that is they see this these patterns of ink on a page as symbols they give those symbols meaning right now the thing is as it occurs to every single individual everything they see has different meaning right and if you have a man view the same scripture and a woman view the same scripture right they're not going to understand it in the same way mm-hmm. that is that it is not because one is a man and one is a woman. It is because they are individuals, right? Um, now, the idea of the SBC is not to cut certain churches out of the convention, but to homogenize and refine baptism, Yeah. right? As an organization, that is what they do. That is what they have been doing, But right? they couldn't do it. They couldn't define it. Like, that's the problem. Is like they, because even like there, it says, and that wasn't the only issue where things aren't currently clear. Even if Saddleback violated this principle, SBC affiliated congregations don't have to follow everything in the BF and M. They're only required to closely identify with it. So, like in this situation with the um, the female pastor, like they weren't even able to come up with a decision like there was no decision made on this issue because they couldn't even identify like you know what kind of line they were crossing because I feel like it's such a subjective thing like you're saying like I agree with you like even a woman and a woman could be reading scripture and they're going to interpret it differently because it's based off our life experiences we every single person has a different life experience minus race gender sexuality anything like in general we're always going to perceive our reality that's literally the only thing that we can actually perceive is how we feel and so like in this issue i think that's what's so interesting is they couldn't even come up with a decision like it says that there was no decision made because there's no way to define if 
this is right or wrong because it's such such a subjective thing. And like even in the rules, it says all they have to do is closely identify with the Southern Baptist Convention. And if they want to consider consider this closely identifying with it, then they didn't do anything wrong, you know. And what I was trying to say is that, um, you know, meaning is assigned individually. And the point of such an organization is to homogenize and refine an understanding between individuals, even when those individuals recognize it or not, have different meanings for largely the same object, the same noun, if you would, right? And to say that, um, you know, as way of the scripture, you know, woman, as broadly as the people writing that statement could um, understand it, women should not be pastors, right? And they cited scripture as a reason. Well, not everyone understands the scripture the same way, right? Um, so to make that statement, you know, is to impel it upon every person who um, operates underneath the SBC, right? Yes. And it's it's a very difficult thing, and this relates largely to you know what we were talking about earlier, you know cancel culture, cancel culture, and J.K. Rowling and Hogwarts legacy and stuff like that. Um, things like those, trying to in a way cancel the church um, for having a woman pastor, you know, it doesn't work not only to homogenize and refine. Um, ideas within the SBC, um, it, it just doesn't work. It only works to wound an individual or a group that only a specific number of individuals can can belong to. I think we just got a notification that we got to wrap this up. Um, we'll hold that thought for another time. Yeah. It's been a great... I'm going to close off with we're Brock, and I got one thing I got to say. Brock, you got any? You want to sit, chime in real quick before we end this? I mean, honestly, not really. But I did listen, and you both had some really great points. Like, I don't know much about this topic, but I'll be sure to do like research on it for sure. Let's research the issue of women in the church, issues of transgender rights. Yeah. Something I want to want to talk about before we go. This week, I got a a letter from somebody who basically was saying that I'm a bad actor on campus, that I'm here just to stir up controversy from a conservative cause. I don't think anything could be further from the truth because if you know what I'm all about is I'm pure libertarian. Okay. If you want to just get, pull the mask off and what is Lee all about? And minus that he's like, the most understanding person I've ever met. Yeah. Well, I don't know about all that. Okay, I've got my weaknesses. You know, I'm not Jesus Christ. There's but only like, one, there's only know, one you, king. You have your own pride. You are a person, <laughs> right? But you know? you've given all of us a platform. Yeah. You know, like, you you are genuinely, like, one of the... Sorry, I'm just, like, hyping you up. But, I mean, you're, like, one of the smartest people I know. You have so many degrees. And you believe in, like, undergrad students. And you, like, help us out. I just... I just think that's pretty unfair to you. Well, you in know general. what? It's not my first road, and I'm appreciative of that. Yeah. You know, I've, 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 
I do a lot of debates, and but one thing I wanted to talk to you folks about before we we close. Ethan talked about Ayn Rand. I we even talked about this before. Remember we about yeah. the. I'm very very libertarian, and what mm. a real big tenant of libertarianism is free speech absolutism. And what I mean by that is that I'm listening to you folks. I might not agree with every single point that you're making here, but that's not the point. I want to have this podcast be a, a vehicle of free speech. Mm-hmm. And I don't like the political polarization that we see in families where families don't even eat together for Thanksgiving because of their political division. One maybe yeah. for Biden, yeah. one maybe for, for Trump. I don't want that. What I want to do is is have free speech be promoted here at UNT, have different views, people come from different perspectives. Um, I understand where the person's coming from, their people on this campus that have had like anti-transgender speakers come here and it just caused division. That's not my point. My point of everything is to bring people from divergent viewpoints together to discuss these issues. If we don't discuss these issues, if we don't try to work these things out, how is anything ever going to be accomplished in our yeah. society? Yeah. Is it just by might? We'll never find middle ground if we don't have discussions over it. Yeah. And I am very much a Christian. I very much believe in Jesus Christ. They died and rose again for us. But I'm not forcing people to believe what I believe because I believe it. Yeah. And right. I want to give, as you said, undergrads, you guys, in my opinion, where you're at right now is a formative time in your life when I was a young person, your age, was the greatest time of my life because I, I was just, I had so much energy, so much zeal. And I see that in all three of you and different people that are going to come on this podcast. You're welcome every week to come and communicate your views. And as we go out, um, we're going to be promoting the show more in, on campus. And I'm sure there's controversies going to ensue. But we want to thank you folks for coming on. And this has been the Lee Enoch Show. America's Most Controversial Podcast, signing out.